right. Here we are. Here we are. Welcome back. Welcome back. Science in between. Science in between. This is Scott. This is Ollie. Yep. There we are. Hey, so. Yeah, here we are. Hey, hey so. Hey. So this is. This hey, is friend. It's, Lean hey, in. Friend. We've got, we've got yeah. something to tell you. This week is Nobel Prize week. Nobel Prize week. And yeah, yes, so, we have been nominated. We didn't want to say anything. Yeah. We were waiting. The first <laughs> we were... Nobel Prize in podcasting <laughs> yes. goes to. No, I'm pretty sure that if there was a podcasting uh, Nobel Prize, we would not even come close to it. <laughs> well, remember that the 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 Nobel Prize is not for being the most famous. It's for, oh, for having right. the the biggest impact, and I think we clearly have. We have a large impact. We, well, <laughs> On on the ten people that listen to all 160 yeah. episodes, you know it's it's funny. Um, I started listening to Smartless. Uh huh. Yes. And they are almost. I I say they might be more self deprecating than we are. Yeah. Those folks. Well, they they also um they also are. How do you say this? Peer deprecating. So they. Oh yeah, they just yeah like they're ruthless play. to each other. Totally ruthless to each other. Yeah. So yeah, and they're and they're just kind of like this three old guys talking versus yeah. two old guys talking. <laughs> yeah and and they uh now make more from that podcast than they have any other thing that they've done in their careers wow that's so, awesome good for them good for them because you know, they're funny dudes they are, they are funny, funny. all right so let me set this up because this was my idea um it's uh it's like nobel prize week so we're recording this on monday and they announced uh they announced the Nobel Prize for medicine and physiology medicine. today. Yep. And so today they announced the the folks who did the uh, developed the science behind the mRNA vaccine, yep. which is pretty awesome. I should it is pretty uh, awesome. I should know their names. It's Drew Weissman, I think, and what's the other person's name? Anyway, I, we can look it up. Um, yeah. But. As those, I was looking, those re- people are legitimately famous. You can find them on the internet. Yeah, they're findable, absolutely. But and I don't mean to discredit their work; it just blew out of my brain hole. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I was thinking, like, okay, so they give Nobel prizes for chemistry, physics, you know, uh, medicine and physiology, uh, pro, uh, peace, and then mm-hmm. also uh, there's one around economics, which isn't really a Nobel prize. It's a what's it a Fields Medal? No, is that what it is? Uh, Fields Medal is math. Those is math. Yeah. So th- they they give out these you know different prizes, but there's not one in education. No. There's notably not one in education. And you know when you think about in like 1901 when they set up these you know Nobel prizes, they were thinking more hard sciences than anything. And so you know I was like, hey, you know, in texting you, I was like, well, if we had a Nobel Prize in education, what one, what would be the criteria? Right. And then two. Who who should have won them? Like, I mean, yeah. we're talking like hundred, a hundred and twenty some odd years of Nobel prizes. Mm-hmm. You know, who are some notable folks? Because like you right. can think about like if you think of a notable physicist or a notable chemist, they probably won an award. Like mm-hmm. they won a Nobel prize. If you're thinking like Marie Curie, if you're thinking you know Albert Einstein, if you're thinking mm-hmm. like J.J. Thompson, or mm-hmm. like I'm, you know, just name it. Like these are dudes who dudes. These are people who have won, yeah. right? Because uh, I mean, although Marie Curie was was a dude, um, she was not a dude. <laughs> 
You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, I sure like, hope, like, dude, I, sure I mean, so. <laughs> yeah, like she's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I meant. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, so who would who who would win? Who would be the people who 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 would win, and what would be the criteria? So I don't know. Have you got, given it some thought? Like, um, yeah, I mean. I've given it some thought in the 12 hours since, since you <laughs> suggested it to me. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's an interesting question. I mean, maybe to start with the, with the, the question of criteria, like how do you decide who's, whose ideas have impacted the field? Cause I think that's really what you're talking about is right. who's impacted the field. And then I think in many respects, um, in a similar way, potentially to to the Nobel Prizes in science, like there is this question about positive and negative impacts, right? You know, like Nobel famously made his money in dynamite, um, and dynamite has you know a, a, a mixed history. It it's been sure. used a lot in productive like engineering contexts, and it's also been used a lot to kill people and blow them up. Um, so, um, I I do think that's an interesting question about how how value neutral do you need to be on this decision-making of who the educational Nobel prizes go to? Um, Cause if you talk about impact in some cases, you know, like the Stanford Binet intelligence test, I was just thinking that <laughs> I was just thinking that. Cause that's like that. I would say that's probably the easiest. That's the low hanging fruit that, that of like, sure. you know, in terms of meeting that criteria of having, you know, I don't want to say good and evil, but good and bad implications, yeah. right? I mean, I, I would good and evil is probably fair, you know. And so I, I think the the folks who were behind that, and I'm, there's a whole ton of tests like that, right? Yeah. Um, but the Stanford Binet was the one that really set sure. the standard for that, and yeah, I mean, because that's the sort of thing that you know, had a huge impact on the field. Like it's inarguably something that, and then, you know, the other tricky bit is thinking about the difference between psychology and education, right? right. So are, are these awards for psychology, which I think in fairness, um, people can get the award in say economics or in, in science, right, presumably as psychologists, um, though I don't know what the history of that is. I mean, obviously, in economics, you have the behavioral econom uh, economists like, um, oh, my gosh, what's the Kahneman and, and Tversky, who were psychologists who won a Nobel Prize for economics because they basically invented the field of behavioral economics. So they're, you know, it's this funny thing of like, well, what what counts as education, like sociology sure. that has implications for education, you know, psychology that has implications for education. Um, yeah, so I think, yeah, but I, I think it's an interesting question. Yeah, but I think that the other, you know, the other fields like chemistry isn't like we think of it as, as being distinct and discrete from physics, mm -hmm. but there's really a lot of overlap there. Like, you know, like JJ Thompson won for, you know, physics, but mm -hmm. like that's about structure of the atom, which, you know, that's typically taught in a chemistry class. Right. So mm -hmm. it's like, um, yeah, so I, I don't know. Um, yeah. Well, it's I, a, I think there's, uh, the there's going to be some blur. Question. Yeah, yeah. The reason I asked that question is because education, you know, and this isn't something that we've explicitly talked about, but education is a field of study rather than a discipline. And I think right. that is an, a distinction that, that matters in this case, right? So a field of study is an area that has a, a, a focus, but doesn't typically have traditional methods or theories that are associated with it. 
um, it, it draws on lots of different disciplines. So psychology is a recognized discipline. Sociology is a recognized discipline. Education is an applied field, sort of like nursing right. or architecture. Like those things are, they're different. They're, they they draw on other fields to do their work, but they don't necessarily have their own traditional forms of, of inquiry. So I think that's, that is an interesting distinction, whereas physics and chemistry are just shades of gray, right? Um, right. Whereas psychology and education, not so much. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I guess, I guess the Nobel Prize, if we said come back to the the question, like the criteria of yeah. for education is going to be a little little messier than mm -hmm. maybe some of the ones in these more uh, discrete, you know, fields, you know. Mm -hmm. Um. But I, I mean, I think one, it should be something impactful, right? It should be something right. either, you know, at the time positively or, you know, negatively or, you right. know, and it's got to be big ideas. Like These can't be like, like the, the folks who won for the MRNA. That's like, it's a big idea. That is yeah. like huge. You yeah. know, the fact that they were able to come up with vaccines related to that is, you know, is, is a real game changer in terms of, you know, vaccine science. Yeah. And um, so when you, when I think back over the folks who, you know, played a role either, you know, native to education or like in mm -hmm. ed psych or in, you know, some other folks, um, some other, you know, content areas, I'm, I'm thinking of like people who would stand out sure. and like, what kind of work would, would it, would it be, you know? Yeah. And I think so impactful. I think can, yeah. So Im impactful, impactful well. for good or ill. Right. Or both. I mean, as you say, I think that often shifts, right? So when when innovations are first brought on board in, in a field, they may be seen as sort of universally positive. And then over time, that may shift. But yeah, so I, was I thinking, think impactful matters. And I wonder a little bit about this because I, I, I know I know the physics one, you know, the physics Nobel prizes really well, uh, somewhat well, right? And I mm -hmm. know, um, I don't know the other ones as well. Yeah. Um, but are there ones that are more theoretical or are they all experimental and empirical? Right. Cause like, I'm thinking about like the physics ones, like, you know, that, you know, Einstein won for Brownian motion. Right. I mean, it was that, uh, wasn't that his, I'm pretty uh, sure he won, won for Brownian motion. Could be, I don't know. I, I would think that that doesn't feel right to me, but that's because I probably just don't, I mean, well, the guy over my shoulder won for quantum electrodynamics, which I believe is a theory, right. not a not right. So that's the thing is like, can theories fit in this? Like, are theories or does it have to be empirically verified? You know? Yeah. Yep. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good question. The are you looking it up now? I'm looking at uh. Oh, he uh, Einstein went for photoelectric effect, not for. No. There you go. Not for Brownian motion. Yeah, okay. yeah. Just I was uh, just checking. Checking out. It's good enough. Yeah. It's good enough. Um, yeah. I mean, I think I don't think. Um, I mean, I guess part of the question is something even like mRNA is that empirical or theoretical? I mean, the idea of that kind of a vaccine was theoretical until they made it. Right. Um, so I don't know what they get the award for. Do they get the award for, um, you know, for for making it or for for 
conceptualizing it. I don't know which they did. See, I'm okay with it. Both. I'm okay with it being, you know, theory. I mean, because, you know, developing a theory is based on some sort of observations, right? Like people aren't just like sitting around and going, eh, you know, yeah. like they're, they're basing it somewhat in some sort of observations or some sort of like, you know, sure. empirical data somewhere. Right. I mean, yeah. but like, so, but a lot of these are like, Hey, this big paper came out and this was you know, yeah. impactful in the in the field, which, you know, is interesting because there's a, you know, this weekend in, in the New York Times there were a few articles on scientists who were maybe went astray right, with some of their work, mm. you, you know, mm-hmm. the, the the superconductor dude, you know, yeah. and there's a and there's a psychologist uh, who mm. precognition, all the precognition work mm. is like there's some, you know, some yeah. data that may not exist there. Yeah, well, and I was also thinking like just generally in education, the empirical work that is done is a lot messier, right? I mean, it's it's much more culturally grounded um, and interpretive than than, you know, hard science is. So I think that makes it even trickier to talk about what what is an empirical finding. I think most of the things that I can think of that would be awarded a prize in um, in education are you know, not empirical. Let's just put it that way. There were ideas, they were sure. theories, they were concepts, they were things like that. I mean, even Stanford Binet is an instrument, but it's built it's on, a, on a theory. A theory, right. Yeah. A theory of so, intelligence. So do you want to throw out, like, who would you give your first Nobel? So let's, so we have some criteria. It's got to be impactful. Yeah. It can be a theoretical or, you know, empirical, either one of those. Yeah. And it it may have good or bad implications or both, right? Mm-hmm. And so and it's got to exist in the last, I don't know, 123 years. So those okay. are the the cri- cuz it's, you know, they were developed the, in ni- 1901. 1901. Yeah. yeah. So there there it is. Do you have do you have somebody who's like you would throw out as a, a- Sure. Yeah, I have an easy. I mean, talk about low-hanging fruit. I think we got an easy one especially looking back that far and we've done a special episode on this young fella and that's uh, you know, <laughs> Mr. John Dewey. I I was like certain it was going to be either Dewey or Vygotsky was going to be your first guy. You yeah. Know? Well, I mean, again, it's a positive negative thing. I mean, sure. but yeah, but I would go and not of those two. I think the other one that's in my head, we'll hear what your for your first nominee for the, the uh, inaugural inaugural uh, Nobel prize in education given by science in between uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the sibling this yeah sibling the nobel this no the no probably not sibi sibi no. i don't know no, I, don't I don't know we'll figure it out we'll we'll figure that out in post so who's your uh well though it does bring up the question this is interesting because as i said that i was like well what idea of do right would i name as what you know it, it's sort of like einstein got it for um what was it black box radiation no no photoelectric effect photoelectric effect so it's like but that's not what he's known for. Like if right. he, if you walked up to a person on the street and said, what did Albert Einstein think up? They're not going to say the photoelectric effect. Right. They're going to talk about relativity. Um, so so what would John Dewey get his Nobel Prize for? I don't yes. know. I mean, See, that's why I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty big idea right there. It's like it is, but I don't know if it was his, right? I mean, this right. is why it's so tricky is like what was his real 
Um, you know, yeah, that's why I thought Vygotsky would be a better like first choice because like like the zone of proximal development is like that is like impactful. Like yeah. I hear that from folks all the time. Re- really, really, yeah. I was in a meeting yeah. like last week where actually I was in a text exchange with somebody because because we were arguing whether this what we were asking an intern to do was within their zone of proximal development. Get that. Nerds. I know. Nerds. I know. It's totally a nerd nerd thing. It's like, is this within this intern's ZPD? And I'm like, yeah. oof. Yeah. Oof. Like, Maybe not. But, but that's a pretty big idea, yeah, right? for sure. It is. Yeah. I mean, you know, the other one who's of that same era, um, who, uh, again, who I would name and then try and figure out. I mean, I guess I'd have an, a, a thing that, for him, which is Edward Thorndike. Right. So, I mean, if you want to talk about impact in the field of education, it's hard to skip Thorndike, who is, you know, probably the preeminent and and really developed the field of educational psychology. Um, and through his him and his graduate students sort of multiplied it across all the colleges and universities that did, you know, normal, normal schools. Right. Ones that were doing sure. teacher preparation across the whole country. So, I mean, his his ideas are so baked in, uh, uh, especially our teacher education and schooling systems. It's hard to even, you know, it's hard to even see them like and name them. Um, but he was, he certainly, um, you know, again, for good or ill, um, he, he would certainly be on the list of people who, who deserves a, a Nobel prize. Yeah. So I was thinking another, now this is not just like an order. These are like people who yeah, just come we're just to mind. throwing out ideas, yeah. throwing out ideas. I, I, I have to think that like in the history of the last 124 years, Alba Bandura had to, would have to yeah. win for self-efficacy. Right. I mean, that yeah. would be the thing, Yeah, you know, for, yeah, yeah, for sure. And I mean, you could put uh Jean Piaget in there, right? Like, sure. Yeah. Right. It's hard, hard to miss him as a, as a, as a key figure, you know, a contemporary of Dewey and, and Vygotsky's. Right. So, um, yeah. So also, uh, um, yeah, I mean, again, ideas that, um, that have served as the foundation of the way that we think about education for a long time. What I, I, I hate to throw out this, uh, uh, uh you hear it, you know, it's coming, uh, right? Uh, probably <laughs> go ahead. What, what, what about, uh, pedagogical content knowledge. Yeah, I knew, yeah, yeah. I mean, fabulous idea, fabulous idea. Lee Shulman, smart, smart yeah. dude, fabulous idea. Just right. you know, got uh, a little um, maladaptive later in its sure. in its history. But, but yeah, I think that's pretty. That's pretty native to teacher education. I mean, that's like that's. Oh yeah, you know. And yeah, for sure. It's a, it's a it's theoretical and empirical ish, yeah. uh, you know. Right. Well, I mean, and and that that immediately makes me think of another one that has a huge impact, has had in the history a huge impact on the field, which is Howard Gardner's multiple intelligences. Right. right. I mean, that's a you can put a pin on that. That's a theory that you can stick a pin in and say that one was a big one, um, and continues to reverberate in. Uh, in um yeah in educational circles so i would i would certainly nominate him yeah and i have to think that if we're going to throw in uh you know pck then we have to probably do kohler and mishra's 
TPAC, right? The technological pedagogical content knowledge. Um, I'm not sure we do have to. <laughs> I mean, okay. And my argument would be one that it's derivative. I mean, it's 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 a uh, it's trying to do a little. Or bit is it new. evolutionary? Or is it transformative? It's not either of those things. Hundred <laughs> percent not. Um, and then, is that your own bias coming through, or is it like? Um, maybe, maybe. <laughs> but I think also, if you look at what impact has it had on, um, the actual practice, the field, I think it has had very little. I mean, it it produced a lot of, and I'm using air quotes here, research. Um, but I'm not sure much of that research had a real impact in the way that we think about how technology gets used in schools, for example. I think it just gave people uh, a way similar to the way that pedagogical content knowledge did was, um, you know, just to, to slice how teachers know things into smaller groups of, of piles. Um, but I mean, again, even I think pedagogical content knowledge gets credit so we should be clear what some of this stuff means because we're also just like yeah, just like blah, 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 blah. here's soup, a thing, you know. Yeah. Uh, so we can go back to some of the ones that we talked about, but pedagogical content knowledge. Um, Lee Shulman published a paper in I don't know, it was eighty five, maybe, maybe yeah, it was before that. But but he he essentially articulated this idea because at that time, one of the focuses foci, especially in secondary education, but across the board in terms of preparing teachers was that teachers needed to have deep content knowledge in the lots areas of that content. they were teaching. So, so that, and the more that they had, so PhD the, in physics would make you a better physics teacher than, um, you know, a, an undergraduate degree in physics, for example. Um, right. And so his argument, which rhetorically is really powerful and I think was, was meaningful for reasons that are disconnected from the, from the research that eventually it spawned was Look, there are ways of knowing this stuff that is different than the canonical for in our field, science. So science yeah. is a discipline. You know science. Knowing how to teach science is not the same thing as knowing science. And so what he said is there are, there's pedagogical knowledge. There's knowledge of how to teach that is in some way generic. There is the discipline you you teach, which is your, pet, your, your um, content knowledge. So for us, it's physics. And then there's this in-between thing that is knowing how to teach that stuff to particular populations of people. And he called that pedagogical content knowledge. And and the reason I think it's important as an idea is it repositioned teacher expertise as not just a, like a cheaper version of, of content expertise, but as its own thing right. that was separate from um, domain knowledge. And and we all know that this is true because we have lots of people who are higher education faculty who have deep domain knowledge and are not very good teachers because right. that's not where their knowledge base lies. And, and to be quite honest, that's where the bulk of my time has been this semester, working with people who have lots of, of content knowledge who either don't have the interest or background or ability mm -hmm. to like dig into the the pedagogical side of things you know mm -hmm. they can talk about it but they can't apply it right there's like okay when you're in a classroom setting how do you engage with students it's like uh and how do you engage with students to ask questions and support their learning mm, you know and yeah. so you know yeah 
I would, you know, to build off of that, the the Kohler and Mishra is like 2001, I think is, is mm-hmm. when they developed this concept of TPAC, which is technological pedagogical content knowledge, just like there's, you know, the, the overlap of pedagogy and, and content knowledge. There's also this aspect of technology. Like you have to know technology, but you have to know technology to teach with, and you have to know technology for your content area. And then you have to know tech, like technology to be able to specifically teach your content area that's the where it comes in and uh and i would argue you know it's it's impactful i think that it's it in if you go to like a like site which is the big technology conference um you like so many like they have specific strands that are just tpac related you know now how impactful does it like you know i don't know it's it's probably the the leading you know, framework for looking at technology integration in schools. Yeah, know? I think that's probably true. Yeah. But I also think it it hasn't changed the way that we think about technology integration in mm. schools. Right. Well, I would, yeah, PCK would be the same, right? Yeah. Well, that, but I think the difference for me is that PCK actually articulated um, a, in a positive way an area of expertise that did not exist before Lee Shulman named it, right? Like he really said, like, this is a thing. I mean, it existed, of course, but, but really articulating that at a key time when, when we were moving towards models of teacher preparation that, that decreased the pedagogical side and increased the content side as a way of, you know, it's, it's the teach for America model for how do you get a good teacher? Like you have a person who has an undergraduate degree in the field and then you give them a two week summer course and they're ready to teach. So voila, um, they're a teacher and voila. So in that sense, I don't think TPAC had that kind of impact because um, it, because it didn't, it, it's a, it's a subset of pedagogical knowledge um, that also happens to overlap to some degree with content, but I don't know. It's it... well, look, hey, if you go through the history of of the Nobel Prize in Physics, not all of them are like, whoa, look at that, it's Albert Einstein, yeah. and like you know, it's right. like yes, yeah. but, not but... not to knock on any anyone specifically. I'll just say that they're they're no. not, you know, but also or look at the Nobel like Prize people, for people peace. who. Like it's like, ooh, yeah, but there's P- a couple people PCK in there. PCK created a whole field sure, of right. which TPAC is just one of the many derivative areas that happen. So that's like saying, well, people continue to do work in electromagnetism. So anybody who does work in electromagnetism deserves a Nobel Prize too. It's like, well, JJ Thompson did something a little bit different than sure. everybody else. Well, I mean, I would I would say that like the fact that we know what TPAC is, right, is maybe showing its its impact. It's not like some like tertiary so. thing. We're researchers. There. I think sure, if okay. you know if you ask people in the field what TPAC is, oh, I, think I would argue you go into like you talk to some technologists in schools, they'll tell you, yeah, teachers. How about yeah. teachers? I, I think so. I think some mm. some some coaches, yeah, some like technology you, coaches. Okay, you're slicing it thinner, but it's not <laughs> teachers. Teachers, the vast majority of people in schools well, are teachers, not technology coaches or technologists. Sure, yeah. So all right, and, so let, let okay. So I didn't mean to turn this into a TPAC battle. <laughs> yes, you, you know? did. You, no, I didn't. I was just throwing it out, like as a possible conversation you, point. You, you yeah, huh? <laughs> like, <laughs> what do you I'm think? Just I, throw I didn't some know gasoline it was gonna... on that fire. I didn't know it'd get bigger. <laughs> What are you talking no, about? PCK, I, I was thrown out as an, an absolute, you know, it's a winner. It's a winner. Yeah, I yeah. think so too. 
I agree. You know, and I I bet you, you know, if they're in in some alternative reality, TPAC one two. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> it's the bizarro world Nobel prizes. <laughs> yes. The igno right, so, the ignoble prizes. Right. So we have the folks who we have uh Bandora, yeah. we have Vygotsky, we have Dewey for just being himself. Dewey licious. <laughs> Dewey licious. <laughs> well, I have I have one more that we could add that I think is sure. a little more re- recent. I have more actually that I could add. Okay. But I think uh Gloria Latson Billings for culturally relevant pedagogy. I mean, that's, sure. that's been around yeah. for now, what, almost 30 years, maybe more than 30 years. And it's, it's just like PCK and many of its um, theoretical brethren. It has spawned lots of, you know, culturally sustaining uh, new, new forms of the original notion. But, um, but I think when, Latson Billings proposed this. We were in sort of an era of multiculturalism being the sure. way that we talked about um how do we think about equity and um and diversity and and uh, inclusion and she brought a new idea to the table that I think um had a profound impact on the field and continues to have a profound impact. So I think that one that one probably deserves one yeah. as well. No doubt. How about how about Carol Dweck and growth mindset? Yeah, I think I, I think I, I, that's a that's a deserving concept and 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 I think her work is again theoretical and empirical, right? Because if mm-hmm. it's both, and I, um, I think it's you know living up to the you know the TNT of Nobel prizes. It's got some good yeah. and some bad implications, right? I mean, sure. it is certainly misused. And mm-hmm. talk about concepts that are you know derivative, like all of the you know things that are derived from the growth mindset that just has some little twist on the name, you know, yeah. like I won't go into that, you know, no, but even things like grit, right? Which I didn't, be, I was going to, you were going to name that. Okay. I was so, going to yeah, name that. I mean, those, yeah, I agree. So I think growth mindset, much like um, PCK or culturally relevant pedagogy, um, these, these, these big shifts lead to other shifts that follow. I mean, I think, you know, if we're, if we're talking about like Kuhn, right? So Kuhn is a philosopher of science and he has the, you know, the idea that there's normal science where there's progress and th- ideas develop. And then there are revolutionary steps. Right. There are paradigm, paradigm shifts. Right. Paradigm shifts. And, and those, and that's where that term comes from. And I think, you know, you can think of PCK and um, culturally relevant pedagogy and you know zone of proximal des- development and the and the pieces that are around that like those were those were paradigmatic shifts right sure. those were big changes in the way that we think about ideas in education it's not um you know just derivative and i don't mean that in a bad way i mean the vast majority of science is derivative it's it's not what you know again normal science we're making small progress on these ideas um, to help us use them more productively. Um, so yeah, I think we're, we're, I think what we're trying to identify is are there places where we can name these bigger shifts? I'm, I'm thinking besides people and concepts, I'm thinking of like, what are the things that are like impactful in education and teacher education Mm. that like we haven't like named yet? Like, I I think like who in, like motivation, like we were thinking about like motivational researchers, like, you know, and that, that's kind of growth mindset, but not really growth mindset, you know? Yeah. Um, 
I mean, that would be digging deeper. Like that's sort of trying to find the Bandera, um, you right. know, of, of that area. And I, I'm not deep enough in that. Yeah, literature I'm not to either. Who, who our, are the sort of motivation people? Yeah. Our Ed Psych friends would be able to help us with they that. Would. Yeah. Yes. They would, they would dominate this conversation with, they, they know, they, they certainly be, know. Sure. Sure. Things like, yeah. Motivation. I mean, self-efficacy beliefs. Um, sure. Those, those are big ones. Um, I mean, another one I'd put on the table is Brown Collins and do good for, for, uh, situated learning. Sure. Uh, <clears throat> so that one, I think, you know, again, look at it as a, as an idea, it's really an applied Vygotskyan idea. So you'd, you'd have to decide whether it's, it's its own thing. But I think just, especially in science ed, the idea that, um, you learn things through practicing that thing rather than just the knowledge that the knowledge is inseparable from the context in which right. you learn it. I think that's huge for science. It's, it's fundamentally how the NGSS got developed the way they are. And there are patterns, those things reverberate in other fields as too. Certainly I know in mathematics, but I think they're in, in uh, English language arts as well. Right. The, the idea that, you know, you, you do the thing and that's how you learn things is, is a very powerful idea. And you could probably draw it back to Dewey because I think that was part of Dewey's thinking as well. Right. It was just a, a different spin on that idea, but that, that paper and that idea that came out of that paper, um, I think was, had a profound impact on the way that we think about education. Yeah. And that I, and I think we come up with another we, we, I guess we better defined impactful, what we meant by impactful, like, mm. because they were, you know, paradigm shifts, mm. you know, that yeah. it, it created that sort of, you know, impact to shift in a, a field, you know? Yeah. And it's easier yeah. to look back and say, yeah, that thing did. Right. But sure. at the, at the time, maybe, I don't know, did the Brown Collins and good, do good, like have that sort of impact instantly. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. My guess is it was more gradual. I mean, but that's I mean, that's true in any domain, right? I mean, if you think about how long it took Einstein's ideas to be accepted um or quantum mechanics as an idea, like it, the you know, it's not like the idea instantly Now, in some cases that's not true. I mean, the, the current example in medicine is, you know, I mean, it was it was an idea in somebody's head a little while ago and then they got the Nobel Prize for something that basically happened 3 2 3 years ago. I have one more to throw out um, that I, I mean, I think this is a, another no brainer is uh Levin Wanger, you mm -hmm. know, communities of practice, you know, that's mm -hmm. it, still in that same vein. I mean, I think this, the ones you and I select will be very different than, you know, if, if somebody's out there and they're like, Oh, you know, I'm in, I work in art education. Yeah. You're probably going to have some subtly different rule ones um, suggestions or like math education, or mm -hmm. if you're an ed psych person or whatever, you're going to have, but I mean, this, that's like pretty core to our social cultural you know, this idea of, um, you know, communities of practice and that what, what you do is you, you're apprenticed into a community, right? right. And you slowly develop and, you know, you're, you change your identity by trying on new things and mm -hmm. develop, developing in the discourse and the habits and all that, the mm -hmm. norms of practice. And, yep. and, and yeah, I think so, that it, uh, like, I think we're trying to say about some of these other things, it has filtered into practice in, yeah. you know, like you will hear, hear teachers talking about communities of practice and right. professional learning communities. And, you know, PLCs are, are at least in part a direct result of that idea of communities of practice. So, yeah, I think, th I think that's a good one. Yeah.
And it's it's a, a pretty surprising that we went this far without, without naming, getting naming them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, we did almost go chronological though, in, sure. starting in the deep past um, and working our way forward gradually. So, sure. Yeah, I unintentionally. Mean, yeah, but I do wonder, like, you know, to your point a second ago, like, what are the things that are floating around right now that in 10, 15, 20 years, we're going to look back and say, oh, that oh, thing yeah. was the thing, right? Like that's a thing that that had a major transformational impact on the field of education. Um, and, you know, we there probably are candidates we could think of, but um, but it's a little trickier to know right now what yeah. those are. Yeah. Hmm. And I'm sure after we get off this, we'll be like, "Oh, we should have named that yeah. person too." Uh, yeah, you know? we didn't. We didn't make a comprehensive list. No, no, I don't think that was the intent. But I think it, it, we did come up with some some pretty awesome candidates for folks who should, you know, are deserving of the the Sibby. Yeah, the Sibby. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I like that at we're all. Work, we're going to workshop that a little bit. Yeah, we'll yeah, the, yeah, the. Uh, Ollie and Scott's Nobel Prize in Education. Mm. Or Scott and yeah. Ollie. One Either way. Yeah. Scott and well, in terms of well, no, I don't know. We'll have to think about that. We'll we'll uh we'll workshop and get back to y'all. Yeah. So you know. All right, all right. Joyce. Joyce, I think you should go first this week. I have a good one. Yeah. So it I uh, it's the 40th anniversary or is coming to the 40th anniversary of the release of stop making sense, mm. which is the, you know, groundbreaking movie and album from the yeah. talking heads. Um, and they digitally remastered it, both the video, the audio and visuals, mm. and they released it. It just came out like, I think last weekend or a couple weekends mm. ago in, in, in New York and LA. And then, and I think in Toronto, but then it just went into wider release just last week. And uh, I went to see it last night. With, um, with uh, the misses and my son and yeah. his friend. So we're, I took I, I when I first saw it, I was probably fifteen or sixteen years old, you know. Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. didn't quite see it when it came out, but I I remember definitely seeing it when I was like sixteen or seventeen years old. Um, but the, so I took these two seventeen-year-olds to see this, and they were just blown away, you know. Yeah. Now they didn't know all the songs, but sure. it just. It is really just a visual and audio treat. You know, it is like, wow. Yeah. You know, Jonathan Demi, right? Isn't yep. it? Yeah. He, yeah. He, I think Spike Lee played a role in some of the, and really? I think his, and Jonathan Demi, his brother played a role in some of the work or his son and in, in the work of the remastering and at least you know spike lee oh in the remastering sorry the sorry, remastering sorry. yes yeah and like because jo- jonathan demi's he, he's he's no longer with us so yeah. uh so the other folks stepped in and what the, the great thing was and i don't know people like there there's a few bands that are like bands of my life right bands that yeah. i've listened to and the talking heads are one of those the one of those bands that i've listened to in my entire life um and you know, going to see them was just, I got to see David Byrne just a handful of years ago, right before the pandemic play. Awesome. Um, I think that might've been a, a joy at the time, you know, mm. um, or when the release of the movie came out, that was when, uh, when it was a joy in, a, in the archives of a few years ago, but uh, it was awesome. It was awesome. And this, it, it was great to see. And great to see like 
someone get this experience for the first time. So she had yeah. that love with, with a couple, you know, high school kids. Yeah. yeah. No, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm going to have to see when and if it's coming. I wonder if uh, we could get our, our local um, state theater to get this. Be interesting. Well, because, I'm surprised. Yeah, I would that love I- to see that on a, in a big screen. Yeah, I'm surprised at the number of places that are showing it, you know, because uh, mm-hmm. like I was talking to somebody and they're like, oh, I saw that at the, you know, down the down in this place. And I was like, oh, they're yeah. they're showing it. So it is it is much wider release than than I was I was anticipating. Yeah. Well, right now it is not uh, anywhere near me. So it's uh, the closest is York. But um, but, you know, who knows? Maybe. Uh, did you see it at the Midtown Cinema? I did, in fact. That's our mm-hmm. our our local independent theater. I try to go there as often as I can. Nice. Yeah, it's like a tiny like city theater. So there's you know maybe fifty seats. It's it's not a big screen. It's not like an IMAX screen or anything like that. This is this is one of those tiny theaters where they're squeezing like three or four theaters into like you know the space that one you know large you know theater where they had the reclining seats. There's no reclining seats. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> there was no is, that that's not what you go to see see yeah. the you know not the midtown all right what about you friend um so my joy is um after a, a long time of of pining for uh this i finally bought myself a full suspension mountain bike so i'm i'm a, i'm a bike person i bike to work every day and home again and I like to bike. Um, I like to mountain bike. I, I road bike too, but um, I, I think I really like mountain biking best because I like being out in the woods and, and, um, and so I've been wanting a, a full suspension mountain bike and my local, uh, my local bike store, Freeze Thaw Cycles, which is an awesome, uh, bicycle store here in state college. They had, uh, a, a bike that one of the ones that I've been looking at and they put it on sale. And I was like, well, I just can't say no to this anymore. Sure. So, um, and it's just been, it's just so much fun to ride. I just like the, especially the first time I rode it, but, but ever since then, I, I, I was like giddy with how much fun it is to ride. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's been my joy. I didn't get out this weekend. I was hoping to, but I'm going to get out this week cause it's just gorgeous out. And yeah. this is a great time of year to mountain bike. Cause the leaves are changing and there's no mosquitoes and it's just good riding weather. So that's uh, awesome. Yeah. I'm excited. So yeah, it was, uh, it was a long wait, but the wait is over and now I get to go out and pound around on stuff in my new, my new bicycle. So, Very cool. That's a cool joy. Yeah. yeah. I've been looking at getting a new bike. I have some friends who got like electric bikes, you know, yeah. and they, they're loving them. You know, I don't think I'm quite there yet because I still want to like, you know, but I I, yeah. I think there's there's an electric bike in my future. No yeah, doubt. I think there probably is for me too. I mean, I, at first, well, I'm still in the phase of, um, of sort of, I won't say hatred, but annoyance because, you know, I'm riding up a hill and then some, you know, clown right. tears by me at, 25 miles an hour on their little electric bike and they're barely pedaling. I'm like, ah, oh, that's, you know, come on, man. And, and just between you and me, they don't even ring a bell or tell you they're coming. They no. just, they just rip by you and they're going fast uphill. They don't go on your, on your left. They don't say no, anything they like don't that. Do that. No, they're just sitting there and they're upright, like pedaling, barely pedaling. I'm like, come on, man, I'm working here. And you're yeah, just you're... like ripping by me. 
Yeah, they're not following any of the rules of the road. Come on. No. Come on. If you're going to ride they're... that fast like a crazy person, get on the road where you can get hit and killed like, you know, right. like, uh, sorry, that was terrible. I didn't mean it yeah. that way. No, you're wishing harm on people. I, I'm not really. I'm not. I'm just I, I, I am. I am wishing that, you know, because I think my my concern beyond my annoyance that they go ripping by me is is my own safety right and and for that matter people are walking but their safety. safety too yeah yeah well, i mean, I mean uh, if you hit somebody on one of those things it it's like a, those things are mostly like tanks they're heavy and big and i know you, but you hit somebody i i read an article about this that yeah. i guess they're supposed to there's a governor that's supposed to cap them governor. off a governor, governor uh <laughs> that is supposed to keep them under 15 miles per hour um, but, well, there's two, there's two different classes of electric bikes. So depending on which bike you're in, I think it's under, I think under 25 and over 25, but it might be. But, but people are hacking them. Oh, nice. Like, and so that they can, they can go like really fast. Like some, some of these bikes can go 50. Like, yeah. would you want to go 50 miles per hour on a bicycle? No, thank I, you. N- no, thank you. No. You know, and many of these folks aren't wearing helmets and it's just like, you are. Like, let, let's teach you some physics here. <laughs> let me take this rock and throw it at your head. Right. Did it hurt? Yes, it did, you <laughs> dummy. I'll put on a helmet. What happens? Yes. Yeah. And 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 I guess it's pretty common that with like just an app or something or just a couple like things, wow. you can, you tinker know, these things. Wow. tinker with them pretty. And there are videos all over YouTube to how to do this. Of course. And it's like, and it's like why would you want to do that? I get, I get that you get there faster, but you are just basically a projectile at that point. Like yeah. a meat you missile. Know? Yeah. You're just going to shoot off your bicycle and hit something. Wow. A tree, that's great. car, pavement. Yeah. And... So I'm going to leave that meat missile there. And I think that's where she probably should, <laughs> we should end this episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Nice. All right. Well, I guess we'll catch you next time in between. See you then. Bye now.